Team USA, what is going on? A false narrative is being built about the mid-range jumper and the Phoenix Suns. Plus, we'll run through some NBA notes and we'll get you ready for the draft with draft numbers number two. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day on this 13th of July. I come to you from the playroom in the hotel I'm at. Where, let me see. If, see, there's a ping pong table over there. And there's like blocks I get to play with when I'm done and an Xbox. It's pretty cool. I hope you're doing well. The internet has only been okay for us, so hopefully it'll hold up. Thanks for joining us if you're joining us live. Thanks for if you're tuning in via the podcast, uh, regular form. It's still both available for you. Um, We're going to do NBA draft by the numbers, but I wanted to start off, first of all, what's wrong with Team USA? This is a little unnerving. Lose to Nigeria and Australia to open up. Um, You know, the only thing I I, I get concerned about is, you know, the last time we saw a national team come together they didn't do particularly well pop was the head coach and it actually felt like pop hadn't figured out the international game and i didn't think pop had a very good year this year in the nba either so um i I will be openly honest and say i am concerned on the coaching of team usa which sounds crazy when you have one of the hall of fame great coaches of all time but when i watched the spurs this year i didn't feel as though pop had like the greatest year ever When they played the last time Pop coached international ball, it didn't feel as though he had the greatest grasp of what was going on at that point. And um, I, you know, I almost, I don't know. I mean, I think there's last time you watched, it was almost this feeling of like, I don't want to ask too much out of these guys. They're giving us the, you know, their NBA players giving us this time. And, and I don't know if it's the same feeling this time, but that team should not be losing to Nigeria and Australia. Congratulations to Joe Ingles. That's fun and exciting and, um, great that they got that done. Um, and I think the more telling game will be the final exhibition game against Australia where they play them again before they head out there. They just got embarrassed by them this time. Do they come out and really blast them? And do they come out and show kind of the dominance that Team USA should be in this setting? The game's definitely gotten, you know, it's pretty incredible. I, you know, I think the Nigeria story is really as much as Nigeria hammering Argentina yesterday is beating the U S like the fact that Nigeria is now a good enough team that they're going and winning multiple games um, along the way with, you know, and that Nigeria has multiple NBA players is a pretty outstanding um, opportunity. Um, And I think that's the, you know, that's the key to this whole thing. So um, it's, the messaging here is obviously the depth of the international game, which has been going on since the dream team from the U S standpoint, like hopefully this is the wake up call they need, but I, I do, I do wonder. So I was just going to throw out there. I wanted to take a second and look at um, the shot charts of Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Cause I feel like there's a little bit of a false narrative being built here. Um, 
the mid-range is not unimportant. I'm not one. I've always thought that minimum 20% of your shots are coming from the mid-range. If you have Kawhi, what Toronto did a few years ago when Kawhi Leonard shot the mid-range shots and like nobody else did, that was great. Uh, if you have Chris Paul and Devin Booker, they should they should take mid-range shots. Late in the game, certainly if you can get those are the shots you often can get to. The Chris Paul shot chart, I, I think they'll be fine and they're going to hold on for this series. But the Chris Paul shot chart is a little disconcerting if you're the Phoenix Suns on what you're trying to get done here. So Chris Paul's taking one shot a game at the rim. He he is making this little shot in the paint 46% of the time, which is good. It's not unbelievable. It's 0.94 points per po- 0.92 points per possession. It's not going to win you a game. It's if it's late in the shot clock and all other opportunities have dropped. That's not bad. He's hit 51% of his mid-range shots, which is good. His long twos, he's hit 51% of it. That's good. Um, what's beating people is the fact that his mid-range game that we just talked about is, you know, not suboptimal, um, is okay. Uh, at 50%, it's it's good. It's one point of possession. And his, you know, 0.92 points per possession on his little short mid-range shots are are fine. They're, they're good. What's beating everyone is that Chris Paul's shooting 42% on above the break threes. Like, let's not kid ourselves. Like, if you took away those threes and just had the mid-range shots, that's not beating anyone. But 1.2 points per three or 1.24 points per three is hammering people. And that's what is actually happening here with Chris Paul. The fact that Chris Paul is shooting 42% on his above the break threes is what's making him such a vital and such a force in this playoff series um, and in this playoff run. But, you know, he's also doing something interesting, which is he, he just does not shoot at the rim at all. He's taken one shot a game at the rim. I think that's his most remarkable uh, accomplishment is the fact that while just not shooting at the rim at all, he is somehow able to make these plays and do these things um, and be able to be that successful as a player when yet everyone in the world knows he's not going to the rim anymore. So to me, that's actually the most interesting um, aspect of it is that how he's found a way to survive without ever touching the rim. But it does make his math hard to be successful. And his math is successful right now because of the fact that he has made an just incredible amount of, of threes. Devin Booker is having a great playoffs, but he is shooting 44% from the field and 34% from three. Now it's coming off a bad game that brought those numbers down. He's been great. Um, 26 points, six rebounds, five assists a game. He's not wildly efficient right now. Like it, it's fine. But again, if you look at what he's now a little bit more, he's actually getting the rim and not finishing anymore. So he's at 58% at the rim. His mid-range stuff is kind of the same story. He's at 50% on these paint non-restricted area twos, and his long twos are 41%. Like, I'm fine with him taking his pull-up, too. Now, he has his kind of spot on the side right, which he wants to get to, and he's making 51% of those. But overall, like, if I'm, you know, inside five feet, he's shooting 48%. Or let me see what that is. Inside about five feet, he's shooting 50% from the field. He's 40 of 79. He's not great at the rim right now. He's at 58% at the rim. His long twos are 42%. He's kind of 50. They're not beating you. Um, You know, what's actually Devin Booker is kind of peeking out is that he's six of 11 on on corner threes because his above the break three is only 34%. So some of these little things that as time is going on for the Phoenix and their offense 
are hard. Milwaukee's getting more shots. John Hollinger wrote an interesting piece and talked about on Hollinger and Duncan that it's a math problem um, that exists right now uh, for Phoenix is a little disconcerting uh, for them in the long term on this. A few other NBA notes for you. I wanted to give a tip of the hat to Donovan Mitchell. He donated a court at the Children's Valley uh, Community Center in Dobbs Ferry, New York. It was all part of the release of Dawn Three Shoes. But, you know, again, here is this guy doing an unbelievable job, constantly um, supporting and helping out um, the uh, community. He's just amazing. Donovan's just is just a gem. So um, a tip of the hat to, to that. Uh, one other note on the Suns Bucks series. That game swung the other night in the non-eighten minutes, and so suddenly a Milwaukee playing their bigs. Dario Saric is out, and now I was talking about two hundred forty minutes. Phoenix doesn't have two hundred forty minutes on the floor anymore in that series, and I think that's um, that's you know that's a that's a tough one uh, for them. W- one other note on this one: um, the. Uh, Milwaukee's front office deserves great credit for their center spending. They got Bobby Portis on a two-year, $3.6 million deal. The second year is player option. I'm assuming Portis will decline that player option and go to the market to see what he can get. Brooke Lopez was their same deal. He was a one-year, $3.3 million deal with a player option. He went to the market and they got $12 million. But they have found a way to get bigs for a year on a cheap contract, give them the player option and allow them to, um, you know, profit off that on the backside. All right, we'll take start the NBA draft stuff. Um, as I mentioned the other day, I had a trade proposal. I wanted your guys' thoughts. I got mixed reports. No one's quite sure what I should do with this. We'll talk about it when we come back for the mock dra- Ultimate Mock Draft that will be airing. Subscribe to it now, Ultimate Mock Draft, uh, on all of your podcast providers. Um, that's coming up. Uh Next week, we'll launch on Monday. It'll be the mock draft, take you through all of the NBA. I'll be recording it um, uh, this weekend and uh, getting it done for you, for everyone uh, then. All right. Uh, today's show is brought to you by my friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Linden and in Logan. The uh, Murdoch family has been in Utah for over 80 years. Hyundai, the brand is just fabulous. Uh, I'm driving the Sonata right now. I just finished up with the Elantra. Both their sedans are superb, and the SUV lineup is incredible. With the Santa Fe, which we've bought two of, the smaller Tucson, the new body-made Tucson, along with the zippy small Kona and the gorgeous larger Palisade, Hyundai has a great lineup of cars for you, and we want to give you the VIP treatment over at Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. So please feel free to email me for at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at gmail.com to get your uh, to get a VIP treatment over at Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is also brought to you by our good friends over at Rock Auto. Make sure you get the Rock Auto car experience by heading over to rockauto.com. There is no need for you to go to a brick and mortar store. You have the internet, you have computers, you don't need to pay extra. Rock Auto will save you huge amounts. I mean, why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more by going into a chain store or a car dealership? A Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from chain stores. It's $216 for Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do it yourselfers for over 30 years. 
and prices are reliably low for every customer. It doesn't matter whether you're a do-it-yourselfer or a professional, Rock Auto treats you the exact same. And they have everything you could need from brake pads, brake parts, brake pads, tail lamps, motor oils, even new carpet. We encourage locked on, do you write locked on in the how you hear about a section um, so they know who sent you. It's rockauto.com. It's reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Coming up, by the way, the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. It's probably pretty obvious at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week later in the episode. All right, we are live on YouTube today as well as on Twitch, Twitter, Facebook. We will be only live on YouTube here shortly, so make sure you subscribe to the Locked On Live YouTube channel and uh, jump in on that. I'm doing great, thanks. My daughter's out in San Diego for a golf tournament, and so I'm out here trying to find a way to do both jobs, um, all three jobs, parent, uh, Locked On, and Jazz, all at the same time. So um, so thank you for asking uh Real giant just asked me on the Twitch line of how I'm doing. Uh, Josiah Johnson on our chat line says, Royce is a great physical defender but can't keep up with guards. While a secondary rim defender would be great, it would mean benching or trading him if he's a four. Do you look at guards this year? So Royce is a great defender. He guarded the number one option more than anyone in the league. He got better and better at it. I thought Quinn Snyder had a really interesting point during the year about this that no different than a leading scorer – who gets better every year and more efficient and understands the role better. That's exactly what Royce did as a defender, understanding how to play guys and got better and he'll only get better the next year. You are right that if he can use his physical strength, he's just a brick. He doesn't move at all. He holds his ground. He's much better than if he's trying to face a small zippy, you know, guard of some sort. So it would be great to have another long defender who's able to help uh, Royce out in that, in some of those different, uh, matchups along the way. There's no no question of that. So that would be, you're right, that would be a fabulous um, addition to the Jazz team in some way. Do you look at, you know, just a defensive guard would be a nice thing. I mean, maybe Mia Oni with this Olympic experience can mature into that. Um, he really didn't shoot it well at the end of the year. And the Olympic line is smaller, so it's a little interesting to see. All right, let's go out to our draft numbers. Yesterday we broke this down for you um, on how the system works. So if you have not heard this before, we break um, – we use numbers to look at athleticism, playmaking, shooting, and creating in four different categories by using different numbers, and we break them down to see where the players are. Yesterday, um, we presented that Evan Mobley actually peaks out better than Cade Cunningham, which makes it interesting. A lot of reports at Houston's trying to trade up to go get number one. I wonder if I'm Detroit, whether I might do that. Um, Jalen Green, the G League Ignite star, uh, comes out really, really well, while Jonathan Kamunga came out really, really badly. Uh, using G League numbers, which we never have before, and so we're not entirely clear. But Kamunga's numbers were a little disturbing. So let's look at Jalen Suggs now. Um, he, for athleticism, he's in the 60th percentile transition, which doesn't peak out, but he is in limited isolation attempts in the 97th percentile of his isolation game, which is pretty incredible. Pick-and-roll ball handling is in the 68th percentile as the pick-and-roll ball handling, which is actually a little better than Cade Cunningham. Um in a lot of opportunities, 127. His pick-and-roll score rate was a little better than Cade Cunningham's. His spot-up shooting is just in the 52nd percentile, so that's not great. His overall catch-and-shoot is just in the 39th percentile, and his unguarded catch-and-shoot percentile is in the 51st percentile. So the shooting numbers for Jalen Suggs out of Gonzaga are not great. But creating off the dribble, he's in the 93rd percentile, so that is an elite 
elite number right there. Um, his effective field goal percent off jumpers was 55%. You don't see this very often. He made 27 of 68. Cunningham made 43%. Uh, his effective field goal percentage was 43% um, on those same shots, um, whereas Suggs was at, in the, uh, at 55%. Cunningham did take 148 to Suggs, just 68. So that's interesting. So Jalen Suggs looks pretty good in regards to just pure athleticism and creation, um, which has a lot of people his shooting. But I always have thought, and I think most people universally think, shooting, if you can shoot it off the dribble, we can teach you how to become a catch-and-shoot guy. Um, let's go to James uh, Balknight out of uh, Connecticut, sophomore guard, six foot five. He's 61st percentile in transition, which just doesn't move the meter. His isolation percentage is in the 84th percentile, which is pretty darn good. I um, mean, only 28 attempts, but frankly, sometimes the small sample size has not hurt our past research in this. His pick and roll ball handling is not good. It's in the 42nd percentile in 74 attempts. That's one of the lowest rates of anyone in the league. In fact, I've only done the top 20 players right now. Um, of players projected in the top 20, only Keon Johnson, the freshman out of Tennessee, and uh, Joshua Primo, the freshman out of Alabama, both shooting guards, uh, have a worse pick and roll. And um, Zaire Williams out of Stanford have a worse pick and roll game right now than um, at 42% than than Bach Knight does. Both those are much lower, um, but that's that's worth you know keeping an eye on. 31% score rate is not great. His sh- spot up uh, shooting percentile is in the 14th percentile. Um, his catch and shoot overall shooting is in the 11th percentile. His off the bounce dribble shooting is in the 59th percentile, which is a little bit better. His non his unguarded catch and shoot doesn't exist. He was just two of nine. There isn't a big enough sample size. So this one's really interesting to me. People really like uh, Bach Knight out of Connecticut at 6'5", 190. His numbers don't show it. The isolation percentage is good, but everything else kind of puts up a red flag there. These numbers aren't perfect, and I'm not sure I would draft based on, but this would, you know, you better really understand what you like out of this player. He's His spot-up percentile in the 14th percentile, and if we go back, look at the last two years we've done this data, like there aren't a lot of guards that have that kind of number in um, in fact, if we look back, the worst shooting guards last year um, in the 23rd percentile was Precious Achua, who I don't is a 6'9 center, um, and Isaiah Stewart, who's a 6'9 center, Javier Tillman, who turned out to be okay, but is another 6'9 center. I and mean, we just have not seen a shooting guard. Um, Zeke Enjai, who's the center for Denver, did. We have, we have just not seen a guard at that number. In fact, I'm trying to look and see who the lowest shooting. Patrick Williams was not very good, but that's a 6'8 small forward. Um, Tyrese Maxey might be the lowest of last. Jaden McDaniels and Tyrese Maxey might be the lowest shooting numbers of guards we had last year. In 2019, where I only did about 25 players, so it's not quite as good a data. Um, Cam Reddish was in the 33rd percentile, and Cam Reddish has really had a hard time shooting in the NBA. Nazar Little's in the 22nd percentile and has not shown an ability to play in the NBA. Um, so that's that one to me is a little disconcerting on the Connecticut sophomore, um, so keep an eye on that. Uh, continuing through our next one uh, and looking at Scotty Barnes, um, 
So our takeaway so far, Suggs really strong. Scotty Barnes was our next one out of Florida State. He's in the 56th percentile in transition, which doesn't wow you, in the 18th percentile in limited isolation opportunities at 6'9", 227. So, again, not not peeking out on athleticism here in any way. Uh, pick and roll ball handling, he's in the 47th percentile in 66 attempts, which is sure interesting in the fact that you're 6'9", 227, and you have 68 times once you've run the pick and roll. The 47th percentile is not that appealing um, because it's one of the lowest rates. His spot-up shooting is 57th percentile. Um, 50 and his overall catch and shoot game is in the 40th percentile. His open catch and shoot game, he went eight of, um, he went five of 16 um, overall on that. Then you get to whether Scotty Barnes has an off the bounce dribble game and he doesn't. He's in the eighth percentile. He went four of 19 on all jumpers off the bounce um, this year. So here's another one. I mean, this draft, like you wonder, does this draft just drop off? in a dramatic fashion. Scotty Barnes, 6'9", 227. It's a little Patrick Williams-esque pick here. I think it's turned out well for Chicago. So you might judge somebody with this kind of body differently. Actually, they both went to Florida State. Um, but his, you know, he's not peeking out on the athleticism. Patrick Williams did not come out well on the numbers last year either and defied that. Um, Patrick Williams last year in transition was in the 17th percentile, and his isolation scoring was in the 50 was. He didn't actually have enough opportunities. His pick and roll ball handling was actually very good. His spot up shooting was not good. And his off the bounce game was actually surprisingly good. He was 18 to 43. So there's a little bit of Scotty Barnes is actually lacking a little bit in that. Makes you wonder a little bit here of whether or not, you know, this draft is thought of being so great and top heavy. And then we drop off after these first set of guys and the first numbers we're looking at are a little disconcerting. What about uh, the Donovan Mitchell lookalike out of Baylor? We'll look at him and Franz Wagner out of Michigan. Those will be our next two uh, that we look at. Our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week is Giannis Antetokounmpo having two back-to-back unbelievable games and playing with a joy that is unique to just Giannis. Boy, does he play hard. No one plays with such joy uh, as the way you see out of Giannis Antetokounmpo because it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Enjoy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. And Giannis Adekumbo is showing us exactly that. Michelob Ultra is only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, and that's why Giannis Adekumbo with his back-to-back 40-point double-doubles in the NBA Finals is our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Joy, happiness, and enjoyment. Those are the things that bring you success in life, and Giannis is encapsulating that on the court each and every day. Today's show is also brought to you by Theragun. I did not bring my Theragun on this trip, and I wish I had my Theragun on this trip. I must tell you that. Uh, Do not let the stress of life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone just trying to make it through the day. Theragun is the ultimate. The percussive therapy device releases your deepest muscle tensions using scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy with more than goes 60% deeper than vibrational love. I love it. The IT bands are always tight, um, particularly after cycling, and I take the Theragun and just ride that side just with pain and it's like you know it's a roller but just so much better and doesn't hurt with the same it's not quite as painful and it's working 
much, much better. My daughter, who's a golfer, uses it all the time as well. She would probably be using it more if I had take brought it on this trip like I was supposed to. They're going to stress to buy over 250 sports teams like Real Madrid, elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting only at $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get the Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. Our ultimate mock draft I mentioned starts next Monday. It's on a combination with a pr- company, Odyssey, who used to be Intercom. And you can subscribe for the ultimate mock draft on your whatever podcast provider. Subscribe now and get the first episode sent right to you once it's up and loaded uh, with the ultimate mock draft. All right, Davion Mitchell, the six foot two, 205 guard, who wears 45 out of Baylor. In the 86th percentile in transition, so that's elite. That's actually the best we've seen looking at the top draft prospects. Evan Mobley was at 81%. Um, is the only other one who's been close. Um, coming up, Corey Kispert out of Gonzaga is off the charts in this um, transition percentile. And isolation percentile, Mitchell is in the 79th percentile. So this is all, you know, Cade Cunningham's in the 87th percentile. Jalen Suggs was in the 97th. Bach Knight in limited line was in the 84th. Here's Mitchell in the 79th percentile. So this is the elite elite athletes making plays. And Mitchell has 100 isolation opportunities, which is as much as anyone I've looked at through the first 20 athletes of the draft. His pick and roll ball handling, he ran 104 attempts this year. He was in the 65th percentile. Again, the best we've seen so far was Evan Mobley and his very, very limited numbers, which is interesting because he's only 15 because he's um, in the seventh, you know, he's, um, uh, you know, he's in the, he's, he's seven feet tall. Um, Scotty Barnes is right up there with Cade, excuse me, uh, Davion Mitchell is right up there with Cade Cunningham. He's right up there with Jalen Suggs. Um, and he ran about as many pick and rolls and his score percentage um, was equal. His shooting is in the 89th percentile. Uh, he is the best spot-up shooter that we've talked about yet. His overall spot-up effective field goal percentage was 63% comparing it to Suggs. And those guys are all in the 50s. He took the most attempts of anyone. His catch and shoot percentile is in the 91st percentile. Remember, Cunningham was in the 90th percentile. So Davion Mitchell um, is is the best we've seen in that category. His overall shooting is best. His catch and shoot attempts were as much as anyone else. There's no his unguarded catch and shoot uh, percentiles in the 90th percentile as well. Um, 19 of 38, and then the 60. Uh, 19 of 38 overall, uh, and in his effective field goal percentage on unguarded catch and shoots is 75%. So um, really just peeking out on all the numbers um, here are is Davion Mitchell. And now we get to the off-the-bounce jumper, and he's in the 95th percentile, taking 101 of those shots. Um, hitting 44, and he's the best off the bounce. So Davion Mitchell out of Baylor just peeks out on the numbers. He is a junior. He is a little bit older. You always kind of – I always keep an eye on that. Um, But, frankly, so was Desmond Bain and some of these other guys last year, and then that turned out that they were ready to play. So Davion Mitchell, 86% down transition, 79% on isolation. That's the best combination we've seen for your pure athleticism. Suggs would be right up there. Pick and roll ball handling, he was good. He wasn't, but he of the top guys we've looked at, he's as good as any of them. And of anyone who has over um, 
you know, has a high amount of pick and roll attempts. He seems to be about as good as anyone. His spot up shooting was the best we've looked at so far. His catch and shoot numbers were the best we've looked at so far. His catch and shoot unguardable is the best we've looked at so far. His percentile off the jumper is the best we've looked at so far, and he's taken a ton. So really impressive, Ravis made from the junior um, from Baylor. Our final one today, Franz Wagner, 6'9", 220 out of Michigan. Um, in transition, he's in the 76th percentile, which is good because he's not thought of as an elite athlete. So the fact that he's not terrible is good. He has almost no isolation, so hard to do anything. He's interesting. At 6'9", 220, he's run 73 pick-and-roll attempts this year, which is more than Scotty Barnes. It's the same as Bach Knight out of Connecticut. Um, and he's actually better than both of them um, in his pick-and-roll percentile. He's in the 73rd percentile. That's actually the only one better so far is Mobley. He's didn't run nearly as many, but his pick and roll percentile is better than Cade Cunningham, better than Jalen Suggs, better than Scotty Barnes, better than Bach Knight, better than Davian Mitchell of all the players we've looked at so far. So that's a little bit of an eye opener there of kind of how versatile could Franz Wagner be um, in what he's doing. His spot up shooting is in the 61st percentile. So it's average. His catch and shoot overall is in the 54th percentile, which is not great, but it's not horrendous his unguarded is in the 46th percentile that's a little low 12 of 33 and then again he didn't take many off the bounce dribbles he was 11 of 32 but he's in the 82nd percentile um, in that regard so a little bit different kind of numbers and maybe you would anticipate on Franz Wagner in what he's doing he did he was fine athletically his pick and roll ball handling is actually pretty darn like it's solid and his shooting's just average to a little bit above average um, and is off the bounce dribbles, frankly, in the 82nd percentile, um, which is really good. So um, interesting pick there out of Michigan. Um, another Wagner out of Michigan. He's he's probably a little bit more versatile in his game than Mo was. Um, so that'll be interesting um, to keep an eye on. So, you know, I can't really tell if this draft totally drops off or not. Um, some of those early numbers, and it's always been the case that six through 10 on draft picks is a really, really hard um, thing. Let me just jump on some of the comments before we um, – we go, uh, Chad Ford says he sees Barnes playing every position. So that gets really appealing as a draft position. I mean, this is just looking at numbers and productivity and not necessarily uh, looking at um, of what's going on. I love, uh, Patrick says, I love Jared Butler out of Baylor. Um, he could possibly drop as a fit to play uh, NBA. Let me see when we get to him. Uh, we should get to him tomorrow, actually, uh, on how he looks. And so I have, I've done his numbers. So I have... Um, we should be able to get to him tomorrow for you on the show. Um, Del Toledo with his daily stop off. Io does my mm, not gonna be able to do that. It's going to be a board. Let's see. I should try though. Those. I don't, actually, I don't know. I don't know what to do with the N and the M and the in the end in the middle. So sorry. Uh, comp to Derek White. Let me see when we run. Uh, we'll probably he's at Illinois shooting guard six five two twenty. We'll look at him. Um, and I think Del Toledo could come out as a as having something there um, as well. Uh, maybe a real little fine there. Uh, Jalen Suggs equals Darren Williams, according to Del Toledo. Maybe. Um, but we'll see. All right. That is Locked on Jazz today. Thanks very much for tuning in. Right now, jump to get locked on today. And remember to subscribe to the Ultimate Mock Draft. We'll come back to you tomorrow live as well, probably a little later in the day. Our tea time's a little later. Have a great one. Talk to you soon. Bye.